This podcast is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. A big thank you goes out to Adnan Isel, owner of Isellers Estate Winery. You can visit them at 615 Concession 5 Road in Niagara-on-the-Lake or check out their website at icellers.ca. Find out how you can support us like Adnan by visiting patreon.com slash twoguystalkingwine. You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Hey, Michael. Andre! How excited are you that we're introing your probably favorite of the three-part series with Thomas Michelder? You know what? I was. Uh, I think I say in the podcast that I was busting a nut, and I really was. <laughs> I just was so excited. I hate uh, that mental picture. We... That is such a gross mental picture, but whatever. <laughs> you do you, man. But, I'm, but I mean... Um, Obviously, to do a virtual tasting, we needed the the wines. Yes. And originally, he sent us a couple of gamets, or I think he sent us one gamay or something like that. And then we said, let's do it under three podcasts. And he goes, well, then if that's the case, I got to send you the other gamay. And I was like, what other gamay? And boom, we had a four spot of gamay. And that was, to me, very exciting to uh, to get a look at, you know, somebody who's literally taking gamay that seriously in Ontario. Well, and, and you know what? A slight mea culpa before we get into the, the podcast, because I do want to address this, uh, because for those of you who make Gamay and grow Gamay, um, I think Ontario is really, we've got a good baseline on what makes high quality Gamay in Ontario. And I try really hard when I'm writing now that, uh, you know, I, I'm tasting a lot of wines from around the world. I love that we're doing the two thumbs up, but I try really hard not to compare Ontario to other places when I don't need to you know uh like I, I still think when we're talking about pinot noir like everything is either looking to to burgundy or to oregon i mean that's sort of the foundation of, of thomas's project uh but with gamay i think we've got our own kind of uh identity starting to evolve and i really don't like comparing ontario gamay to beaujolais even though like beaujolais is my you know one of my go-to places when i go visit france uh, i think i think it's a a, a real uh, you know, thumbs up to Ontario that we can make the comparisons to the father of of Gamay. Do you know what I mean? Like totally. And I mean, the thing that that I just found amusing is I basically spent the entire time, and you and I spent the entire time, com- and and Thomas as well com- spent the entire time comparing his wines to Beaujolais, and including you're going to hear us try to compare his wines with specific uh, village as well. So. Specific crew, you mean? Yes. Sorry, specific crew. I, I go with village just because, I mean, it's the name of specific. Anyways, it's being a little nitpicky. Well, I mean, it's not unusual for you, Michael. I'm I'm sorry. I, this is this is my podcast, so so roll it. <laughs> Kids, don't try this at home. So so Thomas, <laughs> you know what? Let me take it back to the beginning. Like I know we're obviously talking about about Gamay, but you mean you're very well known for your work with Pinot and Chardonnay, and apart from geography. What is it about Gamay that made you decide to branch out your uh, portfolio and, and give us a full, you know, uh, I'd say fancy treatment of what's going on in Niagara? Right. That's a very fair question. And, you know, like I can remember, I've always loved Beaujolais, but I've sometimes been a little bitchy about it. Like the bitchy part, let's get it over right away. Somebody would say to me, uh, oh, you know, did you know that Gamay, when you age it, it becomes like a Pinot? And I'd be like, yeah, good Pinot tastes like Pinot from the moment you bottle it. So why bother with Gamay? <laughs> now, 
that's being bitchy just because sometimes we like to be that way just to have a little fun with our friends right i would i wouldn't not say that on a stage somewhere i would just say that but i was but he says it on a podcast no but i was telling you you know that was the young me and i'm not the young so young me it was in the early days of the closure den and i think we had two or three interns stagiaires from beaujolais and we were just you know when you work together with people riding each other and i'd say stuff like okay put a great, great Beaujolais crew on the table and then five red burgundies and we'll see which bottle empties last. And we were just goading each other. But but the truth of it is, before I went to wine school uh, in Burgundy, I'd already visited Beaujolais and I had cement vats in my basement in Montreal. And, you know, the vignerons told me how to prepare those cement vats. And I'm like, but don't, don't like some, some dust of the of the calcium and you know the cement fall off into the wine and they're like yeah and so what any any impurity falls out of wine and you don't rack when you rack the wine out of the vat to barrel you don't take the lees right so don't worry about it and they just said some really cool stuff you know uh and and so i started to learn uh about wine on those first visits to burgundy and, and beaujolais and, and beaujolais is greater burgundy Although, Michael, as you cited, you know, this uh, le plante, uh, la plante disloyal or, la, you know, the, le, le cepage disloyal, it's a disloyal grape. But it's, it's only disloyal in the sense that it is much more fruitful than Pinot. And if you let it go, you are going to get tons of not very good but very acidic wine, piquette. But nobody does that anymore. Everybody restrains the yields a little bit of Gamay. And... One of the attractions for me, for sure, is everything Batch Elder does, we age at 18, 20 months. And here I thought, well, here's something I could bottle before the harvest. In theory, if one liberates one's barrels prior to the next harvest, it should be less expensive to make that wine. And that's reflected in why our Gamay is less expensive than our Pinot. It is not a reflection of what I think of the grape. You know, I think great Gamay is equal but different to Pinot. So, so the, 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 the Gamay stay in barrel for how long? Well, the Gamays are supposed to stay in barrel 11 months, and then I reuse them. But I'm too stupid to make that happen quickly. So I, in fact, age them for 14 months in barrel, and I get around to it early in the new year. So these 2018s were bottled in uh, early March uh, 2020. So these have only been in, in, in bottle a month, and, wow. and they're already busting out of their corsets. So, so let's move on to a, another bottle. I have four in front of me, and well, uh, do you I'm want to just, talk I'm, quickly about the, I'm busting about... a nut to to have another something before Jesus, I finish this whole bottle of Village. So, you're getting so premature, Michael. We didn't even talk about what the Le Village tastes like. Um, oh, yeah. All right. Sorry. Okay. So let's start over. Let's make that a cut, Andre. And I'll just I'll say one more thing. <laughs> oh, I, okay. I'm not. I'm not cutting anything out of that because I want to leave Michael saying "bust a nut" in the in the podcast. <laughs> I thought it was "bust a gut," but it makes me happy to hear it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, that here's the thing. Okay, Beaujolais Village, and 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 I've got to tell you, I've got such a lookout for Beaujolais Village in the. SAQ and the LCBO, because you see, what worked on me to do Gamay was that I noticed that the SAQ was putting out single vineyard Sancerre's. 
So Sancerre Rouge is Pinot Noir. And I'm like, that's cool. And they'd be 30 bucks or 35. So I'd buy one instead of buying a single vineyard Pinot from Burgundy at 70. And, you know, Sancerre is a very interesting terroir. And there's a bit of what you get in the Sauvignon Blancs of terroir, that kind of very calcium finish, almost saline. Um, you get that. And they're, they're quite hard, the Sancerre Pinots, and lean, but they're, they're agreeable in their own way. So at the same time, they started putting out Beaujolais Cru. Now, I grew up, I mean, once I was grown up, I started buying Morgan Côte de Py, P-Y, like Pythagoras. Yes. And, uh, you know, that was the only single vineyard I've ever seen from Beaujolais. Everything else was just the name of the village. Like, there was Morgan, then Morgan Côte de Py, and then all the other villages like Juliana, Chana, Fleury, Côte de Brie, all those just had village names. And all of a sudden, the SAQ had from each village, at least one, if not two, single vineyards, uh, much like the experience that you must have had in Saguenay when you guys went up there. So so I started to get into them, and then I realized, oh, the SAQ figured out before I did that Burgundy single vineyards were not only too expensive of Pinot Noir, we knew that, all of us, but what we didn't know is that they would no longer be on the shelves because Burgundy is a finite place and the market keeps growing. Right. When I went to wine school, as I've said to you guys before, I was shocked to hear that Japan was full of connoisseurs of Burgundy. I mean, I don't think that qualifies as racism. It's just ignorance. I didn't know that the Japanese were so into, you know, Burgundy. Well, I went to school in Burgundy in 1992 and 93, and the Japanese were already great connoisseurs. But you can add countries like India and, and China to that list now where the elite wine drinkers want their Burgundy. So the production of Burgundy has definitely not grown, but the market has. So we're going to see less and less of it. SAQ figures this out. LCBO figures this out. Starts offering us more Beaujolais, more Sancerre Rouge, more Jura Pinot Noir I've even seen on the market. So you're getting these tastes of things, and I'm going, well, I like Beaujolais Cruz a lot more than I used to. I always had a great admiration for them, but now I'm getting into the single vineyards and the villages, and they say, you know, well, it's not just this village, it's this village, and there's the mountain part, and there's the flat part, and you start to get into it. But one of the things I would really love everybody to do if they love Gamay is, of course, to buy Ontario Gamay, but secondarily, look at the Beaujolais Village's bottling. They can be one of two things. They can be a negociant pulling together a bunch of villages and making a great blend. And that can be 16 bucks. It can be 22 bucks. But they're not expensive wines for fine wine lovers. But the other thing is a single grower from a village who is not allowed to put that village on the label may do a single vineyard bottling and still have to call it the regional appellation. It's like we don't have that rule in Niagara, but imagine doing a single vineyard uh, from the Beamsville bench and being forced to call it Niagara. That's the kind of thing that happens in France and Germany and Spain and Italy if you're just outside the Appalachian, even if it's good terroir. So uh, one, two of those villages that I've noticed uh, are Lantigné, L-A-N-T-I-G-N-I-E with an accent aigu, and the other one is Pierre Doré, golden stones and those villages have been around forever but they have to call it Beaujolais Village so you flip the bottle and you look and you see the grower's name where they're from and you think this could be a single vineyard from those 
some from that uh, village. And Pierre Doré, in fact, the golden stone, that's the golden granite that built the city of Lyon. So around those quarries are some great vineyards. And we're going to see more of that in the future. I'm sure you guys have noticed how Côte du Rhône, there's unpronounceable villages out there that that are now Côte du Rhône village that we didn't know. Like there's one out now in the LCBO called Sinorgue or Sinag. I can't remember. I mean, I just grew up with Vakiras, Gigondas, Caran, and those ones, you know, and now, now there's like 10 more. So Beaujolais will expand, but Niagara is going to expand too. So when I make a village, I have to think to myself, is this a Beaujolais village, like a negociant style, gulpable, easy, I want to take a bath in it or pour it over my head, that kind of Beaujolais, uh, or is it slightly more serious, almost a crew? All right, Thomas, we're going to let you take a breath now. And uh, Andre and I are going to talk about this wine a little bit. And, <laughs> I'm, I'm really, uh, and I'm really can, glad you, to hear you that. Can it's nod in the background if you like. Really glad to hear it's only been uh, in bottle for um, for a month because uh, it does have a little bit of a, a grip to it on the on the finish, but there's so much fresh fruit on it. Like this is just a really well made, really well made gamay. Yeah, I really, I really like the the subtlety of white pepper, maybe a little bit of spice, a little sour cherry, notes of strawberry. But you know the fruit forwardness of this wine was a delight. Uh, I was really enjoying that. And then when he said again that it would, it only been out of barrel for for a month, I'm like, oh, I can't wait till that really just this uh, smooths out even more, uh, keeps that little white pepper hit in it, and I could just chill it for half an hour and just and just chug it. And as Thomas said, take a bath in it. But I think I'm going to bathe my insides, not my outsides. <laughs> So let's move on to the next the next wine. Then we've got the 2018 Wismer Foxcroft Niagara Cru. Yep. So this is a horse of a different color. It's uh, Foxcroft is um, very big Gamay vineyard. We know Wismer Foxcroft mostly for Chardonnay because so many people do it. I know that uh, great producers like like Malavoir and and Angel's Gate have pulled on the Foxcroft Vineyard. I just went in there for three years in a row tasting grapes at harvest, and I found that I liked the western uh, bit, the Hamilton side the most, and it's on a slight knoll. And there's a little more concentration there and a little more darkness, and I knew I wanted to pull like a Beaujolais Cru style. And um, to define it without getting too nerdy, I would say a Beaujolais Cru usually has some deliciousness uh, because it's Gamay and the tannins aren't high, but it also will have just a little bit of firmness that makes you question, am I drinking this too young? Nah, let's drink another bottle, you know, but really they do age. Most of the crews do age. I, I think that's and, the reason that Michael and I are such a fan of of Beaujolais and Gamay in general is it's um, exactly our speed we don't need the patience to let this sit and evolve like even some of the entry-level bordeaux that i'm i'm picking up to add to, to my cellar you know you can really drink gamay young whether it's beaujolais or niagara without regret and um i know michael and i when we've done we've done a podcast before where we did taste through some old gamay and we found that it didn't age as well as i thought it would from niagara given that my experience in beaujolais has been that especially with the cruise, um, that 
Beaujolais is quite ageable. It's... Right. And, you know, one of the things you have to do when you're in a winery, from the moment you're fermenting multiple plots of any grape variety, this could apply to Cabernet Flanc, it could apply to Riesling, you've got to, be, so you're fermenting and you know which vats and which parcels you're going to, especially baby because them or most of them are going to be single vineyards, right? But you're also thinking, what is going to be my village? So, you know, like Le Closure Dan had a village. Uh, Keilus has a tradition. Taz has a grower's blend. Everybody has that wine, which really is not just a declassification of thing. It's something uh, meant to delight the heart of mankind. When you come home on a Tuesday night, you don't have to wait for Saturday night to have your big expensive bottle. So the idea is you're, you're thinking like, what will the village end up being, but I want to make a really good Foxcroft. But what is the way I'm treating Foxcroft and trying to get its terroir out? How is that going to affect the way I declassify some of it into the village? So you're thinking about the village from the beginning and you're thinking about your single vineyards. Well, Foxcroft, I knew that the part I had to have had to be this kind of tough. And I think if we could allow ourselves one flight of fancy and you can cut this out if you want, boys. But if we could allow ourselves one flight of fancy where we compare it to France, would you help me out and tell me which of the 10 crews does this have the feel mostly of? We know we're not copying Beaujolais, and we know we're not on granitic soil like Beaujolais. We're on limestone soil that has a lot of clay, some silt, and, and some magnesium. It's a different blend. But what does this ring any bells for you of something you've had before over there? I, I want to almost lean a little more gone with a little bit of that richness to it. I, I feel like it's it's Sharubla because of the, the floral notes. But Sharub has more richness than some of the other lighter crews, so I would go with both those two. I, when I first started collecting wine, I, I did collect village, I mean, Cru Beaujolais. They tend to call it Cru Beaujolais there as opposed to single village like Merceau. Chardonnay, but uh, I collected some of the bigger ones like Chenat and Moulin Avant, and now I find I like some of the um, delicacy of, of, of some Fleuris, of Juliana, of Saint-Amour even, and of course Côte de Bruy versus Bruy, the hill of Bruy. But here we do have something that reminds me of Chéroub or Morgon. I'm a big Morgon fan. But I mean, I love all the Beaujolais. It's like, it's, how do you pick a favorite? Honest to God, uh, like, I, I I could drink my way through any of those any of those villages. It's, it's a yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we should uh, we should have Thomas back sometime in the summer, maybe, and and go through uh, an old gamay tasting with him. I, I would love that. Idea. I would love that. Spiked with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stump the gamay chumps. I'd love it. <laughs> Done. I'm available that day. In fact. I've checked my agenda. I'm available every day until Christmas. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah. So, I mean, to get to this fox, I didn't choose this part of the vineyard because I felt I'd be able to make a monster. I felt that with, there's a bigger, in French you say in charge, there's a bigger amount of yield on the vines with Gamay, but nothing excessive. And the concentration was there, and the grapes were crunchy. And now I've seen that for three years, and I'm so glad. I want to keep that part of the of the parcel. Now this is 22% whole cluster, and I just felt 
like that. I've tried three times now. I feel like that's a nice number. And obviously, I'm leading you towards the 52% whole cluster, still Foxcroft, that we're going to taste in the next class. And here, I hope we're going to sharply divide the masters of the program, and I will just sit and listen. <laughs> so let's talk briefly, Andre, about this, uh, just the Foxcroft. First of all, it's twenty seven ninety five. I'm correct on that one? Yep, yep. It's, yep. it's our top single vineyard. Okay, so top single twenty seven ninety five again available on the website. Andre, you started last time. I'll I'll give my uh, my impressions first. I got a, a obviously richer red fruits, but also black cherry, sour cherry, and even some balsamic strawberry in there, along with pepper on that nice long finish. And then you mentioned um, a floral note. There's definitely some violets on the nose there. Yep. That yep. is beautifully done. That yeah, is I don't well know if I I don't know if I could have said that said that better myself. The other thing is. It's got the texture, and I think a little bit of Thomas's attitude has worked its way into the bottle because even though it's got a little bit more uh, texture on the mid palate, like a little bit more uh, viscous than the than the village, it feels like it's got the the a bit of the Pinot treatment, but it is unapologetically gamay. It has that like rustic finish, that spice that's that's out there, the tannin that just kind of kicks your ass a little bit like a bottle of Pinot from Niagara wouldn't. It's uh it's yeah. It's just I, I can't I don't know what else to say other than just unapologetically gamay with a capital G. Yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a good bottle. So that's the one that Thomas figures is his is his best bottle. Is that is that where we're going with Thomas? Well, I, is I, it all downhill from here? Should I just leave now? No, no, no. Because here, one of the great things about doing a single vineyard is, like, I do not consider winemakers artists. I consider us craftspeople. But uh, let's talk about artists for a sec. So an artist puts on a show and they do thirty oil paintings or acrylics or aquarelles, watercolors, and they. You come in and you say, yeah, that's good, but I think you really hit your form there. And the artist is listening to you, and they're not going to, well, some egotistical artist may say, well, no, 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 it's that one. Uh. And the, the equivalent is, you know, in, in the old world, when you go to a specific vineyard in Burgundy or Oregon, and you say, well, uh, I don't agree with you, well, they'll say, well, listen, everybody in town and all of my family for 20 generations knows that this vineyard is like this and they are sure of themselves. Whereas in, in Niagara or anywhere in the new world, when you're defining single vineyards, part of the fun is doing the best you can to isolate what part of the vineyard and then isolate only the most cohesive barrels. The ones you don't choose them all. You just take a few of them. And then when you do that, you hone in on terroir quicker. So then when people come and barrel taste with you, usually journalists, but sometimes, you know, uh, wine geeks and, and, and sometimes sums. And, and then when you get to bottle, I'm just listening to what you guys say, because I think this child was born and I think she's like this. And now you're telling me either the same or otherwise. And it helps me out on, on my road of discovery, you know. So did you learn anything you about your wine based on what Michael and I said? I did, but I'm I'm like so excited for the next step because I want to see the same vineyard with a different treatment. I'll, I'll give you an example where this is going. Lowry Pinot is light and pretty. And I learned from others, from Craig McDonald, now of Trius, and, and, and from Rob Power, still of, of Creekside. They used to do 
some of that old vines in there. And they said, do not beat out Lowry. Do not. And they said to me, do not beat up Lowry. Do not over extract. Just go with its lightness and its light color. And you will see the chalky minerality come through. That's one of the few new world vineyards where I actually had some received wisdom about how to deal with it. So I've never pushed Lowry too far. But now that I've experimented with Gamay, because you have to try some whole cluster with Gamay, you have to at least try it because it's a grape where a lot of people do that. Now I'm look, stepping back and I'm saying, well, what if of my three cuvées of Lowry, why don't I do one with 20% whole cluster just to see if we can pull out a little more? And typically with Lowry, the 84 plantation and the 88 are what is Lowry old vines. And the nearly as old 93 plantation goes into the village. So almost certainly if the year is appropriate for it, because we don't know what kind of summer we're going to have, I will do some whole cluster on the uh, Lowry 93 plantation to see where it takes me. So it won't be Thomas the Pinot winemaker turns his mind to Gamay. It'll be Thomas making Gamay with whole cluster, letting it inform his Pinot production. So I think that's good. As long as you do things with the respect of terroir and not to be gimmicky or trendy, I think you're on the right path. And that's why I want to listen to you guys pronounce on what delivers the vineyard better for you. The 22% whole cluster, which I think is my class C, but I don't know how they're going to age, or this 52 that um, that um, you're about to pour. Well, Thomas, but well, you, you talked, you you talked earlier, it. Thomas, you talked earlier, though, about when you buy fruit or when you're in Burgundy or, or in Beaujolais and you're working with a specific vineyard and you talk to the neighbors and they tell you what to do with it. While we do have some great Gamay producers in, in Niagara, how are you making your decisions on what to what to do with these what to do with these wines? Because you're really, I, I mean, like I said, that small handful. We have some people who who seem to know what they're doing, but it's a pretty small sample group in Niagara right now. It is, but to talk about some of the greats, we do have a Gamay group that tastes a couple times a year, and people share. Taz shares, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Paul Pender and, and Rene, who's who's now left for for foreign affair but they they share shiraz will share with anybody he's very sweet and sperling ran malabar for years i talk a lot about it with her she makes a good laundry vineyard organic down at southbrook of course craig uh, peller makes a lot of great gamay jean-pierre collat 13th street there's lots of people to talk to francois morissette my old buddy i actually met him in burgundy we're two quebecois we meet in burgundy so that's how small the world is uh so i mean there's lots of, i know i've forgotten a few and i and i apologize but i'm just saying all those people influence you but also we're in our own cellars like any project we all have whether you're trying to figure out what color to paint your house what car you should buy or what bottle of wine you should open tonight we all are open to others' influences. So let's hold forth now, boys. I want to hear. I'm opening it. Well, I, okay. So I've poured this, and I, I noticed that in in last time when we did Chardonnay, that uh, every so often you put a little bit notation somewhere on the bottom of the bottle, such as the Wilms. You you suddenly uh, old vines appeared on the uh, on on the label, where everything else seemed really clean and. And, and there wasn't much written there. Here you decided to write 52% whole cluster. Did you not have a better name for the wine? Or is, what was the decision on, on putting that on there? Mm. You didn't put 22% on the, the regular Wismer. That's right. And that's a great question. And um, 
it's evolution. And uh, I'll give you an example. Wismer Wingfield West Chardonnay. It's called that now. The first year I put it out, it was called Wismer. And the second year, it was called Wismer. The third year was called Wismer Wingfield, number one, because we came out with a Wismer Foxcroft. And I said, what the hell am I going to do with two Wismers? And I said, oh, i got to use the suffixes. The vineyards they acquired, that one was called Foxcroft. Oh, that's a good idea. Some other people have followed suit. Some maybe were already doing it, and I was unaware of it. But we all pretty much agree you got to put Foxcroft after Wismer. you got to put Wingfield after Wismer and, and Park, Wismer Park. There's all these other ones, right? And um, so when I came to Wilms, I lobbied for three years to get the old vine Chardonnay that you both were so kind to last week. And uh, But I lobbied four years to get some Gamay. Now, this Gamay uh, from Wismer Foxcroft, that's Wilms I'm talking about, but from Wismer Foxcroft, I had to try because it was such a rich and dark wine, I had to try some more whole clusters. So I took bin and we put we put grapes in the bottom and then we covered it and then we did the math and it was 52. And I said, well, like, we're gonna go with that then. We saw what had happened. We've done that twice in a row now. So if you guys can come over to the cellar when, when we're allow, all allowed to see each other again, once I finish my detention here, um, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll taste another year of that. Uh, so the, the the thing is, you know, you've got to put things out at a certain point before you even know what to name them. So this was harvested about five days later than the other one, just because I, you know, I had to get another picking crew together to pick me 100% whole cluster. We saved some rows, and uh, then we distemmed just uh, as I said, just 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 less than half of it put the whole clusters at the bottom and let her rip with a wild ferment. And um, it got a little higher in temperature and it extracted more and there was more to extract. But the week, did it make much of a difference? I don't really think so. It's not like any higher in alcohol, really. No, but but, yeah, but the extraction the extraction definitely comes through. If we're, if we're going to talk about, about villages, um, this definitely reminds me of Moulin Vent. Um you know, just it's it's pushing in on blue fruit. Uh, I know your alcohol is still the same; like it's still a, a very well balanced wine. But compared to even the uh, sort of the twenty percent whole cluster, like you've got a lot more here than you you do with the the regular one. A hundred percent. I've got more notes on this wine than I had on on the uh, on the Vuzmer Foxcroft. I'm I, I every time I take a sip, I'm pulling more out of this wine, uh, Andre you know, mentioned the blue fruit and I was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's the other thing that I'm getting out of here. But I got a lot of red currant. I've got peppered strawberry. I've got an earthy, I got a smokiness. I've got a fresh cigar on, on the finish. But, but the earthiness uh, isn't, isn't front and center. Like the earth and the spice are often front and center. Even when you're dealing with Niagara fruit, it's just like, it, it's fighting for attention because there's just so much fruit. It, 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 like there's so much fruit in this bottle. Like this is this, this is a compl- this is a really complex bottle of Gamay, and and it, and it's hard to say that about Gamay. Very rarely do you get a really complex Gamay. This one just has complexity, yep. and it just keeps giving more and more with each sip. So, you know, after a month in barrel, imagine this one after six months. It's gonna. I, I don't even. It'll just blow your mind. I'm so glad you guys like it. I mean, when we tasted 
this out of barrel, whether it was a sum from Quebec or a sommelier from England or a wine writer from right here in Niagara, everybody said, holy shit. when they came, we had two barrels of this, right? Uh, well, well, we had another barrel, but it went into the village. But the point is, we had two barrels that had been selected for this. There's no new oak in any of this. There's no one-year-old oak. It's all mostly neutral oak, and there might be something that's slightly newer somewhere. But it's not the oak effect. The oak, if I could afford the food, what the Italians call the botte, and by the way, affording a big oval wood tank is not only buying the tank, it's buying the space to house it in, right? Mm -hmm. And so that'll come someday because I love those things. And, you know, we all love the idea of amphoras and terracottas and cement tanks and all this stuff. But, you know, you got to one step at a time. You got to make wine, sell it, and use some of the profit to to invest. But 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 so I use barrels because the wine sort of concentrates and gets smoother and richer with the interaction with air. I mean, that's the magic with Chardonnay, as we saw you know, last week, Chardonnay doesn't get more oaky. It gets more sinewy with time. It loses the baby fat and expresses its place better. And I'm not looking for ever uh, anybody to be able to taste the oak in my wine. Sometimes you do because it's a craft. It's not an art. It's not a science. And uh, But certainly with Gamay, I don't want anybody to see oak. I want it to be in there. So every week when you're topping up that barrel that it lost in evaporation to the angel's share it's concentrating and it's smoothing out and it's rounding off the rough edges and of course i adore this wine the reason the foxcroft 22 percent it has a more classic feel to me and this has a more blow you away feel so for fun because i don't know where this is going i made it a dollar less uh because i wanted people to know what i thought was the best expression of Foxcroft, the 22%. But I think this is the most wow of the Gamay's. Like it's going to age, it's going to it's going to change, but I don't know how. I don't know if so I would want be- to I don't know if I would have the patience to to age this just because of how how well oh, you that wait. fruit I is will, out there I will to dry. find a way to age a bottle or two of this. You know, I I might just- too, but like I you know, I guess it's it's the tough thing is trying to figure out like what? Is this one you hold on to for like a 5 to 7 years, which I find is a pretty good sweet spot for Gamay uh, from from Beaujolais, or is that going to be a little bit too far from Niagara? Like, uh, I guess those are experiments that you and I are going to have to do, Michael. And, and well, I mean, look, I I take some of the Malavoirs and um, I I definitely age those ones uh, just to see. Uh, I've I've had uh, you know they're simple alive, not what they call alive. At uh, almost ten years, nine years, I think. I think you and I did. It was under screw cap, and it was absolutely probably the best bottle we had in in that tasting. And it was just the simple gamay that they make. You guys are so inspirational. I'll tell you what <laughs> you're doing. It's what I credited uh, Tony Asper with doing ten years ago, and he's still doing it now. But I mean, I realized that for a region to work. You did inspired viticulturalists, inspired winemaking, inspired wine criticism, and inspired restaurants, right? As well as as well as wine stores. Of course, the LCBO has to do their great job, and increasingly they are. So when all five of these elements pull together, a region gets uh, ahead faster, and not because you know you're you're slapping people's back for no good reason, but because the words 
that you say or that a hand cell product consultant says at the LCBO or that a winemaker says at a winemaker's dinner and all these things come together. And if you cut out all the bullshit and everything, a region starts to get ahead. And so if you would kindly uh, go back to the 22% whole cluster, which is my classic, I don't write that word on the label, but it, uh, you'll see that it stands up. It has a more classicist kind of mouthfeel more you know and less of the tannic drag of the other one but uh you know i started out being a wine writer but i i can no longer come up with that stuff you guys every word that both of you said described that 52 percent and every word you said uh described the first one the fox they're just so different and my job is not describing them my job is to try to do what defines that vineyard. If I can help define vineyards, uh, then I can help define the peninsula, which is a goal of all of us. And to tell you the truth, I am not decided, so I did it again in uh, in 2019, and you'll have to come to the cellar, boys. It's in yeah. Barrow, Sounds both good. of these. So, Michael, you've been called lots of things in your life, but I think that's the first time you've been called inspiring. Oh, no, you, you'd be surprised how many phone calls I get, Andre. Uh, but aren't they usually angry? They, I do get a lot of angry phone calls, it, it is true, but uh, I have had a few um, inspired owners slash winemakers who have called me. I keep those oh. quiet because they say don't say anything to anybody else. You know, Thomas, well, it's, it's, it's... Don't it's a... forget that your wife, your parents... And in secret, Andre also think you're inspired. <laughs> yeah, I think I've actually said that to him after a few glasses of wine once or twice in the past. You know, Thomas, you, you said something in, in your... He's, a, he's, in your... A, he's also told me he loves me, uh, but I've never let him do the reach around. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so I did do what you just suggested. I've, I've gone and I visited the, the 20% uh, whole cluster, the Niagara crew. You know, it, it is one of the great things about Beaujolais. It's one of the great things about Gamay in general is... When it's really well made, it's not a matter of what's better. It's a matter of of um, it's, it's a matter of what you're in the mood for. Because all of these wines we tasted are really well made. I'm not sure if necessarily on a on a regular night where the focus isn't learning about these wines, I'd want to crack all three. It would depend on what I'm what I'm in the mood for, what the temperature is outside, who I'm with, what I'm eating, whether I woke up on the right side of the bed. Uh, but I. I isn't that on, isn't that on your side? Yeah, well, whatever. I mean, but I mean, I can see myself drinking all all three of these so far. So we should maybe move on to the um, move on to the fourth one. Yeah, but first, I would like to hear when you go back. What do you feel? And what do you feel, Michael, when you go back? So I'm going back. I I had already moved ahead to the Wilms, but I I am now back on the uh, Wismer twenty two uh, percent. Do you um, feel it? Do you feel it down in your loins? Well, I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to say that. Eric has said I can't talk about that anymore. That's um, fine. You know what? I still, I still like the Wismer Frost Croft. I, I, I find it. I, it's, it's, it's good. I hate to say this, Thomas. I'm sorry. It's, to me, it's still a good gamay. There's nothing wrong with it. I've, I've scored it well because we're scoring as we go here. But I am just a huge fan of that 52% whole cluster. Uh, it's not just a wow factor to me. It is a I want to find out 
what is going to happen to that bottle of wine. I am just like, like thrilled by that bottle. I tasted it. I smelled it. I was like, you know, it can't be this good. And the more I, 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 I tasted it. I was like, this 52% whole cluster is just, it's, it's magical. The amount of layers and how many, like I've got almost a page of notes here that, that things just kept coming. The, the Wismer Foxcroft, it's a good bottle of wine, but it stops at some point with notes. You, 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 you come up with what you want and you go, okay, that's it. But that 52%, it just keeps giving. And I don't, I don't agree with you, Michael. Like, I, I, I don't think, it, I don't think it's fair to put one over the other. For me, he told between... me to compare them. Oh, you're allowed to. My, no, no, no. But I, but I mean, but I mean to pick to pick one over the other as markedly, markedly better. I mean, we're talking about comparing. Did, did you Wayne... get married, Andre? We're talking about Wayne Gretzky Andre, and, and Mario hold on. Lemieux. Did you get here. married? I did get married. So you obviously picked one over the other. Yeah, but I, it depends. You know, it yeah, comes, it comes down. Though. It comes down to mood again here, though. Like the Shrubble and the Moulin Avant. Yes, sorry. The Ryan, uh, you would love to hear that. We're talking about the um, the, the Wismer Foxcroft and the fifty-two percent, the twenty and the fifty-two percent. They're both outstanding bottles of Gamay, and I think they'll both age very differently. Um, I don't know if you would want to age either one of these for a terribly long time, regardless because of how fresh the fruit is with them. What I've we're done talking this to you about before, is the differences. Andre. Gun to the head. Which one do you take? Gone to the head. You gotta have one. Pull Which the trigger. One do you take? Pull the trigger because huh? I want both. I want both. Okay, you're dead, so you don't even get to taste them, and that's okay, fine. So I, I can. I gotta jump in. For me, it's for me is they're both my children, and and you your job. Both so of it's your a Sophie's job. choice for you. <laughs> it is. It is a Sophie's choice, and the other thing is that I I have to just try to define terroir. I want. Cool. Ontario. I want food and wine to win. Once food and wine is win, I want Ontario to win, and then I want Niagara to win, and then in this case, the Vineland Bench, also called Twenty Mile Bench, and the Single Vineyard. Now, which two? When we're right down to it, I want people to pronounce. And and until I make another wine like this twenty-two or this fifty-two, I won't know what Foxcroft is. Is, is supposed to taste like. But to me, it's a fascinating study. And anybody who's worked ever worked closely with me in the cellar knows I invariably say, you know, I'm so boring. And they go, why? Because I find this kind of stuff exciting. I find it defining terroir exciting. And that's why in our generation, defining Niagara or defining the Okanagan or, you know, or Vancouver Island or, or the Bay of Fundy or Prince Edward County, Defining these terroirs that nobody has ever defined before is a totally passionate thing. It's not just making the best bottle for me. It's it's figuring out where that terroir expresses itself. Should it wear stovepipe jeans or should it wear flare pants or elephant pants? I don't know, but we're getting there. And, and you guys have that duty, but you also have the glorious duty of saying, no, buy this bottle and drink it buy that bottle and uh, save it. And and I, I don't have to do that anymore. I just have to like try to be as close as I can to the truth. And that's so, why I put this one last. So a very, a very quick uh, question for you, hopefully um, before we move on to the Wilms 2018, let's be honest, not a great vintage in Niagara, kind of almost the res- re- reverse of 2017. 
Oh, but yeah. for Gamay, uh, for, Gamay, very... for Gamay, it should have been it should have been great though, because Gamay harvests uh, early. Correct. So that's what I was trying to get at with with Thomas. In seventeen, obviously, we had that uh, that hot uh, fall, but in eighteen, we had a very wet fall. But we didn't really get the wet until almost later in the in the harvest period. So eighteen would have been good for Gamay. Yes. And but a little hot for Pinot and Chardo, uh, and you know by the time you got to the late ones, I agree. And remember that my whole world is Chardo and Pinot and Gamay until Calus hits its Gam its Cabernet Franc, and then you know Kelly and I freak out. Everybody's like everything's done at Calus when Cabernet Franc comes, and we kind of re ramp up and try to get it perfect, right? So that kind of thing. Uh, a later year that changes. But what the question I thought you were going to ask me was, you know, I got, we go to the, you know, when Mary and I came here from Oregon, we came with the idea to start, we're Quebecois, but we, you know, we're Canadian, now we're Niagara, but when we came from, well, we used to be Oregonian. When we came from Oregon, I guess I'm a cross-dresser. <laughs> but when I, when I came from Oregon, I came with the idea that the international Pinot Noir celebration was one of the best things on God's good earth because it didn't compete, it celebrated. And so we started in our backyard, the Cool Climate Chardonnay celebration. And we were like five years into it before somebody said to me or said on the stage, which we've all been to many times of, of the School of Cool said, but Niagara isn't really cool. It's a uh, climate of extremes and you have some extremely hot years. And as having somebody who's lived through it, I got to tell you what the truth is. It's cool climate because the plants know it's cool climate. They react that way. And when they get a hot year, they shut down. I mean, this, the, both these bottles are 12.5% alcohol after one of the most torrid summers on record. It was 16 and 18 that were the hottest, but they shut down. The stomata, or the pores of the leaves, shut down. They don't photosynthesize when it's too hot. And the harvest is not early, but delayed. We're not Mediterranean here, although we could be if you look at latitude. We are just so continental that when you get this hot summer, it all buffers out. And by the end, we didn't harvest on Labor Day. We harvested this at the end of September or early October. I forget yeah. the exact date. And that means that you have time to suck up flavor and 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 keep the acidity. It's, a, it's an incredible miracle that that hot year uh, produced this lithe of a wine. I can't say that word. L-I-T-H-E. So now we're going to move on to the Wilms uh, Les Naturalistes. Yeah, I've already, taste, I've already tasted it while Thomas I, was talking. I have too. Um, and I have to and take it, back it, what I you said. You call it the nudist? Is that what it's called? <laughs> I, I almost wonder if I named this for you two. Ha! <laughs> ah, uh, That's because I do, we're not wearing any pants. I also have no shame. So, Andre is the guy who goes out uh, for his mail in his underwear or less. Yeah, now the naturalist not... actually means the nudist, is it not? Yes. So if you're a nudist beach, it's naturalist en France or in Quebec. Yes. And um, this is, uh, I love any movement in wine 
that... I hope you're not putting any movement in it. No, no. I love any movement in wine where the next generation brings on what they really feel, right? And, and uh, I remember reading as a young pup about how Burgundy had to drop its yields and do more serious winemaking because their yields were too big because there was too much potassium in the soil. And then, so Bobby Catcher, one of the importers of the States, and uh, Kermit Lynch started saying, okay, come on, more new oak, and let's get rid of these old moldy barrels. And they, and they weren't looking for new oak flavor. They were looking to firm up the wines and get lower yields, and they did it. And then the next generation said, whoa, which is mine. Whoa, wait a sec here. This is too much new oak, right? And then the next generation said, la nature. Oh, no, no, no. You can't touch anything. You can't do anything. Just the vineyard, not the winemaker. And I'm being a little facetious, but the the, the van nature movement is, is a very valid movement. And, you know, the pendulum has to swing or else the world gets boring. So I'm affected by Van Nature movement, uh, natural wine movement, in that I, um, I, yeah, why don't I watch my sulfur levels? Hey, don't be so glib about this. Let's keep the sulfur lower, but let's keep it fresh because I'm a classicist. I was, you know, brought up in Burgundy. I'm, I, you know, and, you know, I had the Chambertin in my biberon, in my, in, in, in my baby's bottle. But I'm just saying that I want to do classic things that define terroir. Did the Van Nature movement, does it bring good things to the world of wine? Of course it does. It's like, don't get industrial. Well, I'm not industrial. I'm small lot, wild yeast, low sulfur. What else do you want? Keep the, keep the alcohols low. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. Why are we shaptalizing in years that aren't naturally 13.5? Yeah, let's leave it a little lower. You know, so it's just re-look at yourself, re, uh, recalibrate. And so... This is not a natural wine, but it's a wine that is from old, old vines. The Wilms Vineyard that we talked about last week in Chardonnay, 1983 vines, predates the Lowry Vineyard by one year. Wow. So we've got, yeah, we've got, we've got Wilms Chardonnay, and I campaigned for years to get the, the Gamay Noir, and it's, uh, it's old vines, it's it's a stress vineyard. As vines get older, they don't necessarily, you know, stay as robust. So there's a little probably some from virus in there, and you know you're not going to get big big color out of those vines. But I love this. Like this this Wilms is almost a rosé. Like it's so like I've only poured a, a small bit in my glass. It, it's almost well, a rosé. Pour a lot so it'll look darker. Uh I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Darker. What are you talking about? This thing's light as. Holy God! I can read through it. <laughs> this is so. this is almost rosé. This actually looks like a, a few years ago. Um, Stratus made the wild ass rosé that looked like it was a a, a, a bottle sample from uh, the blood bank. It was so so deep. This looks like a very deep, very very deep uh, rosé. Okay, so. So this is going to be your challenge on this one, which is to pull the old bindingness into your notes. But I got to tell you, without trying to influence you at all, that this is from, again, in Niagara, the east or west doesn't mean anything really except who planted, what, where, how old it was. 
you know, it's not just where the sun shines, right? And and where the the the, the slope is. But uh, Les Naturistes was I had the greatest love for the old 13th Street, and I also love the new 13th Street, but they're different beasts. As you well know, both of you, the uh, the old 13th Street uh, used to release twice a year. And well, I don't know to... if Andre knows this. No, that's before these my time. Big parties. This is way before Andre's time. Uh, uh, Thomas, this is this is you and I. When you used to go down in the summer, and when you used yeah. to go on down in the winter to 13th Street, and they would release their wines. Right. And, and, you had, and, and your biggest wine. problem was trying to figure out which ones to buy because everything was so good. And everything disappeared. And so what happened was they used the Wilms Vineyard to make sandstone Gamay oh. and, and sandstone Chardonnay. And I love those wines. They weren't always treated the way I would treat them, but I thought, oh, my God, Niagara has great potential. This is my early years at Closure Den, right? So Niagara has great potential for Chardonnay and, 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 and for Gamay. And Ken Douglas, who, who um, was a leading light in 13th Street, but also Irv Wilms, Irv and Esther Wilms, who, who maintained the vineyard, were the sandstone. Now, sandstone means something uh, slightly different in the new 13th Street, but, and they're doing so many wonderful things. So I'm not talking about that. I'm just staying focused on one thing, which is because, you know, Jean-Pierre Collat and I go way back to when he was at Peninsula Ridge. He's an amazing winemaker. And uh, and they know, the Witties know what they're doing there. But the, the point is that this old vineyard is is uh the, the vines are gnarly and old and there's a fair bit i think i'm not an expert of uh, of some virus in there but they they without giving a deep deep color they give this flavor that i haven't tasted anywhere else on the planet and so whether it's the chardonnay or the gamay i try to drill down to the best part of the vineyard by tasting grapes and then I make it. And then the next year I go back in, I say, I'm not necessarily taking the same part again, but let's taste it. And I say, yeah, you'll take that part again. And you so, said they were, plant- they were planted again when? 83, before we were born, Michael. Oh, I wish. That was the year I was born. And the Wismer Foxcroft, again, how old are they? Uh, Wismer Foxcroft is, is like a 1990 kind of deal. So, Thomas, I know you've put it to, to Michael and I. If you had to pick a village for the Wilms, like, what are you thinking about when you taste that? Okay, well, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you. No, you uh, can't do that. No, 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 no we put it to you first. I, I, I've got, I've got my answer. I'm not going to cheat. You're just going to have to make a cut here because I haven't opened the bottle. Oh! oh. Well, then, all right. Well, while you open the bottle and you taste it again, I'm going to tell Andre a little fu- a fun fact about 13th Street in the olden days. Oh, go So on. in the olden days, Andre, uh, they opened basically for one weekend every uh, – so two, two weekends every year, one in the summer, one in, in, the, uh, in the winter. And the interesting part about 13th Street at that time was if you showed up on the Saturday, you pretty much had your choice of whatever wines you wanted. They had a great little barbecue going on uh, or foods that you could have. You could taste at every station. And on Saturday, you got your choice of whatever wines had been released. By Sunday, you're getting whatever anybody didn't buy. Wow. And it was there were certain points where you'd go, I'd like to try the Chardonnay. And they go, we're sold out of the Chardonnay. We're sold out of the Gamay. We have no more, uh, you know, Rosé Brut. 
you know, you can have this whatever, you know, blend we made from grapes from California. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So they were like when you talk about a cult winery, 13th Street in its heyday was the ultimate cult winery. It was like the screaming eagle of Ontario. And 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 the 13th Street of today is something equally wonderful and different. It's just it's just, it's, yeah. a, it's a different thing. It's a it's 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 a different thing. They do a lot more, and they and, and jump. Okay, you're not you're not, fight, you're not fighting on a Saturday to you know you're not waking up really early on a on a Saturday morning to make sure that you're the first in the door at ten o'clock to make sure you have your choice of wines. Well, and that and was it, what it really was all about. It is nice too yeah. that with Thirteenth Street as well. Now that the expansion of the facility is done, the the consistency of, or the the quality of the wines has gone up quite a bit. Um, the past couple. Visits I've had to 13th Street have been really, really outstanding. Huh. Yeah, and, and they are. And I, and again, I love Jean-Pierre Collat. And the other thing is, uh, but from the Wilms Vineyard, uh, Shana, who worked with us at the Closure Dan back in the day in 07, of course, the great winemaker then of Ravine and now of, of, of Adamo, Adamo, is working with Wismer Park, is working with Wilms. Uh, again, Wilms was the sandstone of, of 13th Street and uh, is working with Lowry. And I mean, she is Foxcroft. Uh, she is such a firebrand. And, and I think like many others, but I could mention also Ilya Senchuk of, of Leaning Post. These people are working with individual terroirs and, and honoring them. It's happening right now. You don't have to like every single vineyard that you taste, but it behooves the winemakers to try to do uh, loyal representations of those terroirs because that's so, how we're going to get ahead. Thomas, Thomas, have you opened your bottle? Have you picked a crew yet? Because Michael and I have just yeah. had a, a, a private text conversation to make sure that we wouldn't be cheating when we give our answers, but Michael and I have come to the same village. Okay, so... I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that, but first let me, I'll try. Okay, I'm willing to go out there because if I play Stump the Chumps with you guys, I can certainly do this uh, because we've had some wild stuff in, in, in Stump the Chumps. But I got to say, when I first tasted this, I did two. I did two vats, both a 55% whole cluster. And uh, uh, the first two, the, the, the first vat, I thought, this smells like it's going to be a Brett bomb. And that's the totally wild one. So I said, uh, you know what I'm going to do with that? I'm going to just let it go. And that's Le Naturiste. That is why I'm not saying it's a Van Nature because it is not. But what it is, it's a wine that I said, you want to grow up that way? Fine. I'm going to let you grow up that way. I'm not going to be an overbearing parent. You just do what you got to do. And then it came to this very pure and real place. But what I did with the other vat, which was another two barrels, is I inoculated, but not with not with yeast. I inoculated with one bucket of Foxcroft crew, because I wanted to see that thing take up, take, you know, take off and be real and and not be uh, a horse barn. But when you inoculate with a bucket from another vat. You're inoculating Vineland yeast, you know, and you're putting it into a four-mile creek thing. So I got something that was 
less convincing than this. It was really good, and that went to the village. But this is so distinctive. There's this, uh, and again, I'm not you guys. You guys can pull a, the the scripters out of your hat. I'll say to be polite. And uh, but I I have rarely smelt this intense a strawberry in a gamay. I've seen it in Pinot from California. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what you guys think of the 2019 we have in barrel, and I'm also hedging here. So here I go. All right, let's do it. I think- yeah, he's just he's just you know going for time here. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're gonna get an answer. I just want to. I just want to see if you and I know enough about about Beaujolais that all of us are gonna be on the same page. But you and yeah, I are I on the same page. I mean, this is. I this if it had to be something, I would say it's Saint Amour. Oh, Ooh, very close. You guys went with Fleury. We, we totally did. went with Fleury. <laughs> so you know why I didn't go with Fleury? Why not? Because the horsey label, Domaine de la Royette, I said, how can this, I just bought it recently from uh, Rob Jewell at Benifra, great, great importer, and uh, the Couderc family. And I said, how can you call this Fleury? It's over macerated. He goes, oh no, it's a single vineyard that's on the border of Moulin Avant. So Fleury is, there's many Fleuries. Yes, so yes, yes. So we go with a classic Fleury. I have to call this Fleury. But... Because I just bought one that tastes bigger than a Moulin Avant, I had to go with Saint Amour. Well, there now, we Saint go. Saint Amour does have that light floral note. Look, I, I, this one to me had like a carbonic feel to it, almost sweet fruit ish. Uh, you know, a cherry lightness. Uh, yeah, very you know, cherry. Just, I've got just, I've got light, fruit, light, I've, light. I've got fruit roll-ups on my notes. Like it's, it's yeah. so sweet fruit it's confected but like it's not a sweet wine it's just where the fruit went um yeah, bone it's, dry it's really... great acid the, the 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 thing that puts it over the top for me though is the intensity of the fruit now is this like michael i know you love the 52 percent, but i think you're just thinking Ooh. about stocking your cellar and the thing is i think the the wismer foxcroft at 27.95 the wilms at 26.95 are um not necessarily your big ageable gamets, but I mean, I've got three out of four here. I'm going to be going out of my way to uh, to buy the, as soon as I have some disposable income again after my wife's birthday. <laughs> well, that was your big problem. I, I see that's that's where you know I spending sixty dollars on a weekend, you spending four hundred. I think I now have a little more disposable. Uh, Thomas, you and I will be talking after this podcast. But, uh, I, I, Thomas, I want to thank you very much for uh, taking us down this Gamay Road. It was uh, a fantastic look. Uh, you're, on, you're on the right track. Uh, I think you're, you're, you're raising the bar of Niagara, and the bar has really been raised, to, in my opinion, by Malavoir. No offense, you're, you're just bubbling under there. But you're you're almost oh, we, you're almost at the point where you're where you're making as many as Malabar. It's it's nice. It's it's just it's nice to see some, someone has showed up at the arena with the skates and the stick and they're ready to play. We definitely need some more gamay planted in Niagara and in the hands of a winemaker like you. Um, the the, the future is looking very bright. And I would love to you guys to recomment on the village because now you know. Okay, and I'll, I'll quote. Now you know that the village is 
press barrels of Foxcroft. It's some Foxcroft crew. It's some 52% Foxcroft. And it's the Wilms part that was not the wild and crazy that you have in our glass now, but the stuff I inoculated with a bucket of grapes from the Foxcroft fermentation that was already rocking. That's called Kona. And we won't go into that. So it's all those things together. What does it taste like after Wilms? Thomas, See, first I, I like first to be off. I think it's a it's, it's a well made, well executed bottle of of Gamay. Ooh, it's opened up. Uh, that's the kind of thing I'm gonna I'm gonna be chilling and enjoying this summer, next summer, while I allow <laughs> that 52 percent whole cluster to age, you know, four, five, six years. Thomas, I um, I'm pouring you a shot of tequila next time I see you because. Y- if we roll back to the podcast, you told me to fill my glass up with Wilms so that I could see the full color on it, which I did. <laughs> I've now just chugged it down so I can revisit the village because I am going to listen to you because smart people should listen to what Thomas says. So I'm going to retaste it right now uh, while Michael was talking and, and saying what he needed to say. I said it's opened up. So it seems like a little bit of that that bottle shock has worn off now that it's been open for a bit. Color is lighter than than I had thought. Let's let's do another retaste. Ooh, I love the love the volume on that. Okay, I need to take back uh, what I said about putting that village down. Michael, have you revisited it? I have. I liked it right from the get go. I thought, yeah, that's one to get. I, I found it um, a little. I found it a little ob- obtuse, and there was a bit of a bitter note. Um, which I'm chalking up to bottle shock because now that the bottle's been open for the hour and change we've been talking to Thomas, it's blown off very quickly. It's still, I'm still going with very good Beaujolais Village. I think it it's missing a little bit of the depth of some of the other wines that we've tasted, but as it should. As but it I'm, should. I'm I'm totally okay with with crushing a few bottles of this and also holding a couple to age. So um, in two weeks, Thomas, next time I get paid, you'll get another order from me. Oh, that's not the point of this. But you guys, the point of this for <laughs> for you is your point. But for me, getting your feedback was so invaluable because. And also know, getting your money, Andre, is invaluable to him because he's got to keep the lights on. Yes, I do. But th- we do. And Mary and I want to do that. But the thing is, you know, we don't want to come out there with one gamay that that really kills it. We want to come out with three single vineyard representations and then a, a solid village and as soon as 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 soon as um, my doors are debarricaded, you guys are invited over for a barrel tasting because we've got another Gamay Vineyard in nineteen, and we're trying to make sense of it. It's old vines from Niagara Lake. Won't name it now, but I do want to get a feeling about it. Do we have a single vineyard in there? So please come by soon. Well, uh, Thomas, Thanks. as they say, it takes a village. Oh, that's a good way to wrap it up. Uh, what do you have to say? That's a great way to wrap it up. You and I spent quite a bit of time after the podcast mulling over our scores, which is, I'll be honest, is not something you and I have done a whole lot of lately, especially since we simplified things with the two thumbs up, two thumbs down. Uh, I think we could probably agree across the board that all four of those gamets were were two thumbs up, but some thumbs were a little higher than others. Uh, you know, I started doing the... Um... Uh, the write-ups on them, and some of my score, not not many, but some of them as I was writing up, came up. But my my favorite uh, still 
uh, was that 52% whole cluster. Whole that cluster. was just an outstanding bottle of Gamay. You know, having had a chance to really sit and digest the, the notes, because I, I said across the board the, the Niagara Crew, the 52 whole cluster, and the Wilms were all three of mine on a similar, a similar score with the village, just a hair below it. But looking back at my notes and having pondered this, I'm leaning towards the 52 and I love the Wilms as well. Just it's, I'm surprised that we tasted the Wilms last because it was quite intense, but at the same time, uh, still restrained and, and nice high acid. Um, you know, it just didn't have the same intensity as the 52 full cluster, but still a very rich and deep, um, uh, very rich and deep gamay. I found found it very light, almost candied. And that was my, that was my wonder why he put it at the end. Um, but I love, I love a carbonic kind of note to it. Totally. Obviously he said to us that, that, you know, he doesn't have carbonic and he can't afford it, but I mean, it had that kind of feel to it. And, to me, it was just it just didn't stand up to all the other three. And I respectfully disagree with you, but I mean, this is where I think it's important that you and I are, are keeping the stars going on our site. Um, I mean, all four of those wines are are really great examples of Gamay, and all very different. Um, uh, I would but recommend I, picking would up all four and, and tasting them side by side yourself. Like they're not terribly expensive. I think you can pick up all four for less than one hundred and twenty. But I would I would say that that Wilms probably gives the lightness. To Le Village. Yep. And that's probably what makes Le Village such a great wine is that it brings all of them together. And, yeah, I'm not going to continue to argue with that. It's, it's, we're, we're getting down to, to what we what we both like like here now. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, check us out on Patreon. I look for Two Guys Talking Wine. And uh, I'm Andre Pru from AndreWineReview.ca. And I just want to give a quick reminder that we have one more with Thomas coming up, so listen in for it. It's going to be about... What really is his uh, his Ballywick, which is uh, Pinot, Pinot Noir. Noir. He's crazy about Pinot Noir. I'm Michael Pincus from MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Stay safe, wash your hands, and good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.